High School Slumber Party AP is a Cage Club Podcast Network production. For all things Cage Club and High School Slumber Party, head over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. listeners brian rodriguez here just wanted to talk with you really quickly a bit of a disclaimer on this episode unfortunately all my fault but had some audio technical issues with my microphone luckily for us there was a backup recording but it does sound a little bit different because it's recorded from a different microphone so i just didn't want you spending the first five minutes of the episode being like why does he sound different maybe you don't even care but hey, figured we'd all get on the same page anyway. Anyway, everyone's talking about Jamie, including us. So without further ado, here's Jamie. Welcome slumbers who take their studies a little more seriously. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Isla Addington. And this is High School Slumber Party AP, a study session in contemporary teen films. Excited to talk today because our assignment was to watch 2021's Everybody's talking about Jamie. But before we chat about it, of course, we have some homework to discuss. Absolutely. Is everybody talking about this podcast? They should be. Please subscribe uh, wherever you're listening or all the places you're listening. I'm double subscribed on a couple of podcasts so that I can listen to them twice. Oh, nice. But I'm a dork that way. (laughs) So please uh, subscribe. Leave us a review if you want, if it's nice. Yeah, and of course, class participation is a huge part of your grade. So follow High School Slumber Party on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So Aislinn, how have you been? What's life like? Well, as I mentioned when we got on, I think I'm getting my first, I don't, it's too soon to call it post-pandemic, but like my first cold since the pandemic started, um, being as isolated as, as I was for this year and a half and still am. That being said, there's more people out and about. I'm um, a little more relaxed about going to the grocery store versus always doing curbside, et cetera, et cetera. So some little germy got in there and is giving me some um, congestion. So I'm being calm and understanding that that's okay. And I, other than that, the fall is a beautiful time. I love the crispy air. And so I'm just trying to trying to enjoy the fall. How about you? First of all, get well soon. Thank you. (laughs) Thoughts and prayers. (laughs) Thank Uh, you. (laughs) I'm doing just well. Unfortunately, well, I I guess there's pluses and minus, well, mainly minuses, but late foliage this year around here, it's been too warm. So overall minuses, I want to see foliage and global warming and the planet is dying. But at least there's something to look forward to in the next couple of weeks. There you go. I'm assuming what you're looking forward to is the foliage, not the 
planet dying. No, I'm not. And especially not in the next couple of weeks. Hopefully not. If that's Because <laughs> I saw that movie once and I was traumatized. So. Oh, man. So I uh, wanted to ask you, since a little, we've had a little separation since we talked about Boy's State. Have you heard any feedback on that or any other thoughts? Because I know with The Craft Legacy, it seems like as time has gone on, you've enjoyed the idea of it more. So I really have. Yes. So I think for me, part of it is still figuring out this thing the world calls Instagram and how best to engage with it that way. So I feel like because I'm spending more time on Instagram and trying to figure it out, I'm spending less time on Twitter. And I've heard from a couple of people who didn't know that this documentary existed. And I think that could just be the limited platform oh yeah that it is currently and so it's not so much hearing reactions but like hearing oh that's a thing let me let me go find it so i kind of think similarly it might take a little time as folks find it or find where it is on their apple tv uh, account etc how about you have you same heard? sort of thing same sort of thing people are like oh that sounds interesting or oh that's cool and then like oh apple tv i mean i think like the success of Ted Lasso has really helped get more people on Apple TV. And I'm not a show Absolutely. for Apple. I'm the opposite. But um, I, I think if it wasn't for that, even less people probably would have seen the doc. But, you know, that's kind of a uh, theme we see here on High School Slumber Party AP. Just hard to find some of these things or, or harder, we'll say. It's true. So are you still listening to music on a Zoom? Wait, not a Zoom. What was it called? What was the... Um... The non-iPad, oh, non-iPod, oh, what was it oh. called? It wasn't a Zoom, it was something like that. iPod competitor. It was, it was something exactly like that. It was like the Google version. Zoom versus iPod. Zune. Zune, I'm, Zune. I was so close. I was, I was one hump off, if you will. <laughs> Z-U-N-E. The Zune, I had a couple of friends that were very averse to Apple when when iPods were still just for music devices and they were trying to push that zoom on me and so um from time to time I will still check in and see if that particular <laughs> germ brick is still something they're using hey if they made a new one I would try I mean I don't really who needs that anymore never mind cancel that statement I would not try unless they had a zoom phone maybe but no <laughs> I won't get on my anti-Apple soapbox. It's not so much an anti-Apple thing. It's just like a don't be a brand loyalist thing. Buy whatever you want thing. That's Valid point. Agreed. <laughs> oh, that's what I was going to mention, though. I wanted to also say, I know I said it on Instagram, but I'll say it on air. Thank you for actually posting another photo on Instagram. And your dog Toots made an appearance. Everyone was happy about that. He did my third Instagram post. <laughs> I know you um, are also um, an animal lover. The way I said that came out wrong. An animal lover. <laughs> okay, yes. I put the emphasis in a weird place there. <laughs> Sorry. It's uh, one, I'm not feeling well. And two, it's because I was thinking of, is there a different word when like you have multiple animals, right? Because I, I just have the one. So you might appreciate from time to time, uh, Toots McGruber decides that it's time to go to bed early like <laughs> i don't know if it's weather i don't know if that's how he's feeling i don't know what it is but that night i was very excited to watch the live bananas podcast that i had my little ticket for 
and I was going to do it here in the living room, like a human does at this time, which is 7 p.m. my time. And Toots went out and then decided it was bedtime. And I won't go into all like the whole back and forth, but like he herded me into bed so that oh, wow. he could curl up um, with the electric blanket. And so I watched the um, podcast from bed and really not complaining, but I did feel quite like the little old lady that I am getting in bed at seven o'clock to watch my stories. <laughs> <laughs> but you made a young lady move by posting about it. So there you go. So I'll even out and just be middle-aged. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Let's get into today's movie. Everyone's talking about Jamie. Everyone's talking about Jamie. Which both of us made the same mistake that we just called, thought it was called Jamie because that, that was the Amazon poster or whatever has Jamie in like really big letters and then the, everyone's talking about really small. So if you guys are confused, you're with us. You're not alone. It's all also slightly confusing because this is the third Amazon Prime like iteration of this, right? So, and I, I don't want to step on your toes around um, history, but so there was a, a documentary was kind of where the story came from that is on Amazon Prime. And then that um, turned into... I say as if by magic humans put work and effort in, turned it into like a stage musical that was recorded and has a date of 2018. And now the movie version of the musical is 2021. So there's a lot, there's a lot of versions of Jamie to be talking about. Um, and we are talking about the 2021 movie version of the stage musical. Yeah, I didn't realize all three of those things were on Prime. Well, maybe the middle one might not be on Prime, but but it's on, it's like has its own poster. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that poster. So uh, before you read the description, were you familiar with the Jamie story or whatever, whatever this Jamie verse is before <laughs> uh, Amazon showed you that this movie existed? Yes, in that, as one might imagine, based on my purchases and preferences, uh, <laughs> Amazon does let me know when drag-related things are available. So I had seen a while ago the documentary. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I hadn't seen the documentary. I didn't even know this. I The only reason I knew this film existed because it probably went on my algorithm because of the teen movie thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I knew very little about it. And it's, it was, I think the a piece that is interesting to me, <laughs> as you've talked about um, how I think Netflix in particular, happy to understand it on, on other platforms as well, like has not put a lot of press energy behind their teen films and just kind of let them grow by word of mouth is what you've described to me, yeah? Yeah, these streaming services, for whatever reason, do not super promote the teen films. They like throw a bunch out and wait for one or two to get viral. It's a weird strategy. It's a weird strategy, and this does not follow that, right? This, this version was pointed out to me by a friend of the pod, my mom. Hi, mom. <laughs> because it showed up in People Magazine, like the physical copy. Oh, wow. So I'm not sure that, I mean, there's, there could be any number of reasons for that, including some of the supporting cast that are well-known and recently, like Richard E. Grant, right? Very recent Oscar-nominated actor, in addition to having a long body of work. 
So I'm not sure why in particular this flagged such attention in like People Magazine, but it did. And so that's, that's where I kind of put the two and two together of like, oh, that is a familiar story. Saw the documentary. Now we have this. And I didn't realize it had been turned into a musical. You raised something interesting in Iceland. Like perhaps my hypothesis about the lack of promotion is also in my own bubble because I don't really read the supermarket magazines anymore. The trades. The trades, yes. (laughs) I'm not saying that in a condescending way. I just, I don't know. Maybe they push it a lot in there. Like this. this Oh, that could be true. Like this is not a questionable answer later, but I don't necessarily consider this like an exclusively teen film like some of the Netflix stuff is. I can't imagine they're pushing that in People Magazine, but maybe in more teen platforms, they're pushing that like teen vogue or whatever the yeah that's true that's that's easily somebody's like communication master's thesis isn't it like how streaming platforms get viewers to particular things like i'm i'm sure i will i i um commit to the ap listeners that i'm gonna i'm gonna do a little light light research in the meantime and maybe bring more to this conversation um beyond hypothesis next time Nice, nice. Assigning yourself homework. I love it. That's that's why you have the higher degrees and I do not. <laughs> um, Compulsive. <laughs> Island, why don't you pop up that Amazon and read us a read for the slumbers what this film is all about, according to them. Absolutely happy to. So from the platform itself, everybody's talking about Jamie from 2021 is described as Despite obstacles, 16-year-old Jamie has the courage to fabulously follow his unconventional dream in this inspiring true story turned musical sensation. Sounds pretty good to me. Better than a Netflix one, that's for sure. Absolutely. Off the bat, I realized that I'm definitely, definitely in a bubble, not just where I live, who my friends are, but just also time bubble living in 2021 when i learned that there was a 2011 documentary Mm -hmm. that like made made so much more sense that was 10 years ago i don't want to say what's the big deal in terms of the story because it is a big deal if you're a teenager of course i get all that but before when i knew the exact year of the documentary i was like someone made a documentary about a kid who likes drag like i don't know like that seems kind of normal to me but then watching the movie, also understanding year, context, setting as well. Sure. I guess it's a little bit different. So I'm coming at this film from a, I love drag. I live in New York. It's a part of my life. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. Sorry, is that making sense? I don't want to say. Yeah, no, I, I similarly, I think, yeah, there's a, there's a few things as it relates to like what kind of history they bring in and what conversations they bring in. I think they do a great job in some ways. And in other ways, I am also left with questions that way. My understanding is that potentially historically and in some, depending on kind of where you are in the world, even contemporarily, that like that step from kind of openly gay to doing drag is is still not like for for some folks, some communities, that is a step too far. And, mm-hmm. and, and I've, I've heard that in conversations. I don't want to speak for communities that I am not a part of, of course. but from what I have been told, 
so that piece I think is likely still true, like you're saying, depending on where you are in the world. And I thought what the kind of the obstacles that they were demonstrating to us did feel a, a little bit not 2021 that yes, hopefully this is not the first story I've heard of someone dressing outside their traditional gender identity at prom, right? I mean, that's been something my whole life I've heard, you know, stories about or controversies about. And so, yeah, I, I had a kind of a similar sort of, why is this such a big deal? And I think part of it is it does make for a nice story to sort of bring folks into some of those conversations that maybe wouldn't have otherwise had them. Yeah, no, that's Perhaps. a really good point. I think again, we're leaning on the who was this made for kind of sure. question again, but it is it is a really valid question. And like who they name drop, I thought was interesting too. Like at one point, Jamie says, "I'm not Bianca Del Rio," which, no disrespect, season six champion of of RuPaul's <laughs> Drag Race, but an interesting an interesting name to drop, I thought, both in time and presentation. I thought with those things that they were trying to appeal to like a, a drag race fan. Yeah. They wanted to wink at you a couple of times to say, we know this is the thing for young yeah. people. But also they'll bring up, you know, they mentioned at one point Freddie Mercury. And I feel like that's like someone like my mom could be in the audience and being like, Oh, Freddie Mercury. Of course. You know, like someone who sure. doesn't watch drag race is, is my, yeah, point. absolutely. That's why I'm picking on my mother. Sorry, people. I didn't mean it that way, but it's Mom's Day here. <laughs> it definitely tries to do a lot, and sometimes it does paint in broad strokes, because it isn't necessarily a bad thing. Musicals tend to do that, though. Like that—that's kind of what they're known for. There's—I can think of more paint in broad strokes musicals off the top of my head than deep, nuanced thought musicals. You know. Mm. And that is another sort of dissertation for another time, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I also had the thought going through, and this is a, you know, a lot of stage musicals have been made into movies. And I, I would say as a, as a big fan of musicals, some more successfully than others. And I think there are aspects of this that play better in a live show. Because in a broad strokes musical, you can make a joke and grab the hand of the bully at the end and then everybody dances together because everyone's going to bow together right and we're all going to clap for True, everyone yeah yeah and to me that something like that works less well in a movie movie setting and, and that's a, a sort of on kind of ongoing maybe criticism or or critical lens i have with this is like the stakes and the and the I don't know if it's pacing is the right word, but I feel like they set up and then like pay off things constantly. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. in the, within the first hour, it's like, oh, there's, there's this bully. Oh, but, but Jamie outwits the bully. Oh, there's this absent father. Oh, the absent father is, is around. He's having another son. He doesn't want this one anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's not, they just keep starting and ending things that I thought could be what the movie was about kind of over and over again. Oh, there's a drag shop. Oh, he's volunteering to be your mentor. Oh, great. You've got a dress done, done, done. Like I didn't understand. And so I thought perhaps some of that pacing and structure also maybe works better 
in a broad musical live setting where where you want some of those stakes and payoffs to come maybe more quickly yeah no i'm with you on that again i never saw the musical or the documentary but there were things that i'm like okay i see how this would work on stage just i guess quick sidebar do you have any free favorite movie musicals how much time do you have um <laughs> okay uh yes absolutely many so i am and have been since 1995 a, a rent fan and i know that I have grown and my fandom has grown and, and changed and shifted in that amount of time. Um, I'm not the fan I was in 1995. <laughs> that being said, I, I think they did some interesting things with the movie version. I have a friend who prefers it to the wow. live show. I'm not that far, but I do um, like it. I think Chicago, the way that they did that because, because there are multiple sort of like fantasy scenes the way they were able to illustrate that in the film version, that to me, I, I liked better than seeing it live. Catherine Zeta-Jones, Renee Zellweger version, as an example. Uh, Moulin Rouge, I'm looking at on my thing here, but I don't know if you're talking about things that were straight from stage. No, um, I, I just meant movie musicals in general. I just wanted to make sure I had mentioned that thing you do. <laughs> Fair. Great movie. Great movie. Which is a different kind, right? So I, I can't think of, there's a word for it. So Moulin Rouge is when they burst into song and it drives the story and it's part of, in that universe, people burst into song versus that thing you do where there are songs in the movie, but it's not like that supernatural, I'm singing my feelings thing. Yeah, no. And I can't think of the word, but I like both. Yeah, okay, okay, exactly. I'm trying to get my finger on why some work and why some don't and probably above my pay grade like okay so moulin rouge didn't come from the stage originally no but the other ones did and sometimes like in great example right a movie we covered in high school summer, but you had for homework the prom yes. and that and that film hollywood people which is a very ironic hollywood people kind of took that ryan murphy and recasted everything and some people say it lost a little bit of its charm when it lost the original filmmaker, or sorry, original play people. Sure. This, Jonathan but Butterell is the director. He was the person behind the play as well. So oh, great. We're getting the same person here. So, and again, I, like for the millionth time, I didn't see the play, but it does feel like it's, would be better on stage. That's, yeah. I guess that's all I could say. I also, and I, I am not talented enough to write a musical. And so I want to Oh, be, don't say that. <laughs> I want to be, um, I don't want to be a critical for the sake of being shitty to somebody. I think some of, some of the songs could have used another draft or two that, so for me, that was, that was part of it of like, they're almost there. I like a chewy cookie, but there's a difference between like a cookie that's still chewy in the middle and a cookie that's still raw in the middle. And I felt like some of the songs were still raw in the middle. Like there were catchy bits to them or like the hook was there or something. But as a whole song, there's no song that I was like, ooh, I want to Spotify that later. You know what I mean? There were pieces of songs and there was so much word repetition in all of the songs that I felt like the middle of the cookie was still raw. 
I mean, fair to say, I, I had that in my notes too, not as articulate as you have, but I was just like, there's something about these songs that are making me forget them as soon as yes, they stop playing. like they're almost there, but not, which I've experienced before. And I might be in the minority here, but that's that was my experience with La La Land. I couldn't sing a lick of that. I don't think you're wrong about that, no matter what people say, La La Land. The <laughs> out there. But, no, only because like, how many La La Land songs do you see people singing on the street? Or maybe you don't yeah. see them sing on the street, especially in time of COVID, but you know what I mean. You're not hearing that. Like when Hamilton debuted, everyone was singing Hamilton stuff, you know? Yeah. And I know that's rare. Trust me, I know that's True. rare. But, but when a musical, is it called a soundtrack as well? Or I, yeah. I, I don't know. Okay, when a musical soundtrack slaps, you just know it permeates through the culture. Yeah. I remember with Hamilton going to my younger cousin's Sweet 16, and this was probably, you know, uh, five years ago, maybe six years ago, something along those lines. It's weird that Hamilton's been around that long, isn't yeah, it? It definitely is. And all these kids singing these songs together. And almost none of them had gone and seen the play. Mm -hmm. And that was Connecticut. Yeah. That's not that far from New York. And this is before it was touring. But there were people around the country singing these songs. Um, yeah. And this is not, again, to diss the songs in Jamie necessarily. But when I think of the strong points of this movie, and I thought there were a lot of strong points of this movie, but when I think of them, for whatever reason, the music is not one of the top things I think yeah. of. Woo! Yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> The other production notes I had, because we've kind of gone into most uh, most of it in terms of it being a play, it being a documentary. The other note I had was that this, like a lot of movies during the pandemic, was originally supposed to be a theater release in 2020. That never happened. It was actually shot in 2019. And uh, eventually at, it did get select theater release, but Amazon picked it up and the wide release was via Amazon Prime. So just a little caveat there as we continue our studies in, in this aspect of it. Absolutely, like you say, a lot of a lot of the stuff we're covering has a, fits into that timeline. For sure. All right, so let's talk about some other aspects of the musical here. Um, what were some of your, I don't know, favorite things or, or yeah, yeah, you know, cause I feel like we've, we've been a little negative. What are some things you, you liked about Jamie? I think the actor who played Jamie, oh, who yeah. is new, this is his first IMDb credit. He has other things in, in the works, but that's a hard job. It's a really tough job to be the title character, to be a title character like this, who is in every scene, um, almost every scene and having to sing and, and dance and, and in heels and all that kind of stuff. So I, I was impressed. I thought, he, I thought he did a great job being that center point for all of us. And along with that, I thought, I thought the other, the other high school kids that we get to know, his best friend, Preeti, and uh, the bully Dean, they were all to me very believable in their world. So I, I, I was impressed with that. Max Harwood, he played Jamie, and, and I agree. I think he did a really, really great job. That's a hard thing to do, as you said, especially not only is it the title role and not only is it dancing and, and so many aspects of performance, that a young person has to step in and do but this character is big you know this is like mm -hmm. i'm trying to looking forward fabulous keeps coming to mind you know yeah. like uh, there's a presence that the character needs to have yes and i thought he and really a larger great. than life yes larger than life 
great way aspect, whether that's from the musical part, whether that's from the drag piece or combination, like, yeah, you have to be able to kind of carry that fantasy. And I, and I think he did a, a great job. I it's probably in your notes, but the, the actor who played the Jamie role in the 2018, like stage version is plays the younger uh, loco drag queen. So Richard E. Grant um, has those VHS tapes with kind of the history of kind of his history with mm-hmm. with drag. And so the person who played Jamie in the 2018 stage version played the younger loco in this. So I, I liked that cameo, that hat tip to kind of the person who originated the character in this staged version. Yeah, I thought that was really cool too. That guy has been in a bunch of stuff now too, or I think he was in Cruella. Good on John McCree. And I hate to take another shot at Dear Evan Hansen, but <laughs> I'm glad they weren't like, this person did a really good job in the play in 20, whatever, you know, 2017, 2018. Let's throw them here and make him a teenager. I know, poor, poor guy. I was just, in fact, I was just, um, sometimes I just sort of YouTube shuffle uh, while I'm, you know, brushing my teeth, putting makeup on, whatever, getting ready. And so some Pitch Perfect stuff came up on my little YouTube scroll. And so I, I see Ben Platt, still not a teenager to be clear, (laughs) but playing a freshman in college like 10 years ago. And then it just, it was just poor choices. It's just, it's so too bad. He, yes, he should have had a cameo and a very young, talented person should have. Anyway, that's, that's, I'm sure you will, you can deliberate on that. When you cover Dear Evan Hansen, um, because it oh, is yeah. technically we, high school. We will be covering it at some point, that's for okay. sure. But I'm ready. I, I think after I the, have uh, some st- I have some strong I have some strong feelings about Dear Evan Hansen. You saw it already? No, I mean I've oh. seen the play. Oh, okay. I was like, what? Because I was just gonna say, like I, I we talked about it, we contemplated doing it here, but it was exclusively in the theater. I haven't been back to the theater, but which is not well, for me, it's not saying much because I've been to a baseball game. I guess that's outside, but regardless, mm-hmm. um, I, I literally said to myself, is it worth it, is it, worth it getting COVID seeing Dear Evan Hansen? And I was like, you know, we'll push that to the streaming release. Yeah, no, I think that's wise. I, I will say a good friend of mine in Eugene, Oregon, rented a theater for her um, husband's birthday. And so it was $90 to rent the theater for up to five people. And you got a $45 concessions gift card back for making that purchase. Oh, wow. So truly, it was not that much more expensive. At the end of the day, it was not that much more expensive than like individual adult humans going to a movie. So I don't know. Folks, check out what your movie theaters are doing in your local area. It could, it could be more affordable than you realize to have like a private showing of, of, a, of a movie that's come out. Maybe Dear Evan Hansen. Who knows? Whatever Maybe fancy. Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> but back to Jamie. <laughs> back to Jamie, of course. Th- thank you again, though, for bringing up the cast, because uh, Lauren Patel, who played Preeti, I think did very well, too. Fantastic. And then Samuel Bottomley played Dean Paxton. Richard E. Grant, what was he nominated for recently? You mentioned it, and I'm like, I can't um, remember. It's the one it with Melissa McCarthy. 
Oh, yes. It's not I Think You Should Leave. That's a TV show. It's... Can You Ever Forgive Me? Can You Ever Forgive Me? Yes. You were close. Uh, a so question close. would be, gotcha. I, though, remember him from an even better performance on film in the Spice Girls movie, Spice World. Yes, where absolutely. Was, where he was excellent. <laughs> oh, but he's been in a ton of things. Yeah, I love he's, seeing him. He's, he's great. So here was another point where I was like, I was glad to see him. I thought he did a great job. And I know there are drag performers in the UK. So... Is there a reason we couldn't have had? That's a good point. Uh, that and we do see a couple other drag queens backstage, and and I and I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole of representation. Other than to say representation is very important, we all know that. I think when it comes to pieces of identity that can be fluid and and shifting, it's hard to say. I don't have a firm stance on like, do you have to be a drag queen to play a drag queen kind of thing? Because at some point, maybe somebody wasn't yet a drag queen. You know, like, you know what I'm trying to say? It's yeah. not, it's not ever simple. And I think representation is, representation is, is important and vital. And I think this was an opportunity where we could have highlighted someone with less of a reputation that had kind of a more grounding in that environment. And also, they've got an Oscar nominee, so, and that's great too. Like, that's I, I can see, I can see why having a name for that would be an important kind of anchor point to the movie. And I think it's a missed opportunity. And then um, Sharon Horgan, I know from Catastrophe. Yeah, no, that's what I knew. Um, so I, I was happy to see. Like, I recognized her. I was like, oh, fun. And that was a tough role. And and again, I have questions of kind of stakes and in a movie that is so kind of bully conscious, why are we not calling out her? I, I'm with you. It was strange. It was most confusing character to me was this teacher who she played, uh, Miss Hedge. It took me till midway through the movie to realize she was being serious. In that scene where she's early on where she's teaching that class and she's essentially being yeah. like, don't Don't follow your dreams. Your dreams. Yeah. Be realistic. Um, you know what's weird and it's just not, the filmmaker's fault it's just like my own fault for the language of movies my whole life I guess we'll say it's rare that they have like a very beautiful woman hmm. who is like the nasty teacher who says don't follow oh, your dreams. that's interesting yeah I'm not against it by any means it's just a different kind of presentation for that role yeah. it's usually a crotchety person you know who's just usually they code it in a way where it's like this person doesn't enjoy their own personal life and that's why right. they're being mean here but she also didn't seem like someone who didn't she had jimmy choose and she was like i don't know but were they knockoffs oh they could have been that's a good point Well, because at one point like he says nice shoes and then at a different point so jamie the character right being 16 and i think the the greatest sort of most succinct you know exchange was you know, much toward the end when Jamie is saying to the Richard E. Grant character, like, I don't know who I am. She's like, you're 16. Of course you don't. Yeah. Like, come on. So I, I like that, which we juxtapose with Hedges being this. So here's what didn't make sense to me. She's saying, be practical. Think about your future. You have to go out and do things. But then it's also part of this 
prom propaganda of this is this is the night for everyone. This is everyone's special night. That's a good point. You can't ruin it with your own identity and your own agenda. So that didn't always make didn't really make sense. Those things didn't really jive well for me in one character, and neither perspective was what I was interested in anyway. I like that if you're 16, of course you don't. But yeah, it was a strange nemesis to have. And when there are thinking of like, there's a there's a scene where everyone's kind of in the principal's office. I, I would think the like there's witnesses to her being pretty aggressive to Jamie. And I, I just think it's such a weird. I don't know route to take and and I don't know how much of that is is true. You know, I also don't know a lot about the like high school system. They're 16 and they are seem to be done with that part of school and trying to figure out mm. is it is it at that point they go into university or not? I'm not sure. We're told through, you know, storytelling <laughs> that this is a very kind of working class area. I don't know how much that plays into be practical. I think there are some UK cultural things that I'm not picking up on that make it confusing for me. That's a good point. I, I didn't really think about that. But There's a long walk to get there. Sorry, folks. <laughs> you might be right about that, though, especially the whole school system. And I wasn't aware that, you know, it's, I guess it's different here because like prom, but they're 16 and it just, I don't know. Right. And this prom and graduation being and prom in the end of the year being butted up against each other, which happens in portrayals of American high schools as well. That was not my ever experience. Prom was much earlier in the year, like close to spring break, like in March. When was my prom? It would de was definitely not like in June, you're graduating tomorrow, my prom, but I think it was April, you know, yeah. something along those lines. No, no, I think I'm, because I remember it being co like cold, like we had winter jackets, so it must have been like early March. Yeah, you're right. We do see that a lot in high school movies. Like, oh, it's prom today, graduation tomorrow. Who would plan that? That's such a bad idea. <laughs> Absolutely. For everyone involved is too busy. Like they're two different things. And you know, it's the, uh, the trifecta. I know you especially don't appreciate because you've said it. Say, what college am I going to? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I, I think, yeah, a couple of things. Yeah, of which... <laughs> Yes, the only mentioning the very, right, the very high-end colleges, although I feel like pre-T can, can do it, if anyone can. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm just, I am <laughs> continuing to be a little bit baffled over, like, her whole monologue of you can't follow your dreams. And I, I understand, to some extent, because she mentions, like, influencers, things like that, I, I understand, like, the cult of celebrity is something that she's trying to help them understand is is not real for most people and yet if someone says they want to be an entertainer or a performer like there are lots of ways to do that and so i think a good teacher would help to focus and cultivate some of that and not just be i don't know offended by this kid's self-assuredness I, I had a hard time understanding what her deal was other than she didn't like that Jamie wanted to be and was getting to be center of attention. Yeah, yeah. It's like a personal issue. She might have some nuggets of good things she's trying to teach them, but her presentation is terrible. Like, no kid is going to be convinced by like, 
hey, you're not really going to make it. So why don't you're going to have to do this? What the hell you're else are you going to You're going to have to settle. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? It's not a way to do it. And also, like, when it comes to drag, the vast majority of drag performers do not make their money from drag. You can still pursue that. Absolutely. That's okay. It doesn't mean shut that off, you know? Yeah. And they're 16. So that, also making absolutely. someone decide what they wanted, holding someone to what they said when they were 16, I think is a terrible message. What did I say I wanted to do when I was 16? Probably go to law school, uh, well, which is not what happened, folks. <laughs> but it, it goes down to, to, again, what the Richard E. Grant character said when he's like, you're still cooking, you know? Yes. Oh, that must be where I got my cooking metaphor. That must have been where I got it. <laughs> I thought about that. I'm like, yeah, you know, I felt like I was still cooking throughout my 20s, you know? Totally. And like in brain development stuff wise, like we are, right? Aren't we not until in your 20s? Are you sort of there? And then beyond that, I don't know if this is true or just lore, but like every seven years, all your cells are different. Like, you know, cells regenerate at different rates for different things, right? Some are complicated, some are simple, but once seven years have passed, all your cells are different. Mm. And so that's like, think of like seven year itch, or you think about seven, 14, 21, 28. Those are kind of ways to think about aging and life course and think about how different you might be one period to the next. We are getting deep here. (laughs) I'm sorry. I was timelining the sevens in my head. (laughs) Oh, man. The other person I just quickly want to mention, and then we can talk about more of these scenes, is uh, the someone you mentioned, Bianca Del Rio. Did you see the cameo? No. Very briefly, Bianca Del Rio was the art teacher. Oh, my gosh. Oh, funny. Okay. Yes. I'm going to have to go back and pay more attention. If you looked down, you might have missed it. I must, I must have. I must have missed it. Oh, shoot. Well, good for, well, that's why they name-checked Bianca. I'm glad Bianca was involved. Yeah, so when Jamie has, like, the uh, makeup on his face, yeah. and the, the one teacher makes Jamie go to the art room, and the art Yeah, makes Jamie walk down the hall publicly. Who does that backside belong to? Me, miss. Jamie knew. Surprise, surprise. Pretty Pasha. I'm disappointed in you. Getting caught up in... What is it you're doing in here? Parkour, miss. What? Free running. It went wrong. Just get down. Turn around, Jamie. Nah, you're all right, miss. Turn around and face me now. It's for my art exam, miss. I'm exploring gender identity. I wanted to use a face as a canvas to make a statement. And why aren't you doing this in the art department? Jamie's shy. Oh, I am. (laughs) Jamie, if you want to throw your future away, then... But I'm not letting you distract her. Go back to your revision. Okay. You know, she actually has a shot. She's got it. I'm sorry, have you got something to say? Yeah. At least I've got a future. Like that, to me, that was... The shaming and the bullying of that, because that was her intention. I'm not saying making someone walk down the hall with, but yeah, like making someone walk down the hall when they're not comfortable, when they were hiding, like that is not, that's not appropriate. That's not education. That is bullying. Absolutely. But we got to see Bianca Doria. But we got Bianca out of it. Okay. I'll I'll rewatch that scene. (laughs) It was like so quick. 
Um, yeah. Okay. Bianca turns around and she's like, "You look great," or something like that. And then boom, we're back to it. Gotcha. All right. So what what uh scenes, moments, anything uh, specific that you wanted to bring up today? Well, I I thought we could talk about because we are you know both fans. The the drag show that we get in it is brief, but what were your what did you think about either the backstage part or just like Jamie on stage and that in that club that how how did that fit for you as a fan of the entertainment? Well, uh, to go back a little, the, the Richard E. Grant character, I did like the song and while it got very sad at moments, um, it, it was nice to, that there was a little bit of a history lesson and a- Yeah. Look at how you move. It must've been amazing. Let me tell you how it used to go. Freddie playing on the radio. The Iron Lady couldn't stop the show. We felt like we could fly. Poison patter on a barbed remark. Betty Davis doing Joan of Arc. Dirty glamour dancing in the dark on days that wouldn't die. When we felt like we could fly It was real love Look around and feel love Tearing up the floor Something we love more, more than life This was me We were children in the night My friends who do drag or yeah, pe people I know in the LGBTQ community are, are always talking about like the elders of that community and just, you know, how much they mean and, and what they have to fight for. And Jamie's realization of that and just like, oh my God, like, I know it's it seems hard, but for me, this is a lot easier than the people who came before me who literally died to right. do this art, you know? Some people could see this as a little heavy handed in, in the film, but if it didn't have this, I definitely would have been like, I, it would have felt missing to me if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. So with that being said, the performance aspect, is very different than Drag Race, obviously, you know? <laughs> um. <laughs> which, is, which is just one, and I, I wanna be clear, knowing that there are uh, sharp fandoms everywhere, <laughs> that, you know, Drag Race highlights a, a pretty specific section of this art form, and while that, has widened somewhat a little bit depending on kind of which iterations of the franchise you're watching etc like drag race does not encapsulate all that is drag and doesn't try to i don't think no and it has a lot of detractors as well especially in the community for those reasons you're saying exactly so so we're i, I just wanted to be clear that we're not like coming at this just with like drag race glasses on looking at it yes and it's another, on a very special episode, we could talk about <laughs> drag, drag race fans and how, how, how they're ruining the world. But it's a different podcast. If we want to go from, from that perspective, it's a little hard for me because this is a musical and things are a lot more polished. Sure. If this was more realistic and you're going to like a drag performer's first time performance. But side note, it's England. But I was thinking like, they let all these 16-year-olds and like this... This, this club at night you know because <laughs> yeah. all the all the other kids go to watch jamie and make Heckle. fun of jamie 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Not to like, th uh, you know, put the volleyball back on your side of the court, but <laughs> I do have to ask you this because I wanted to. Yeah. Jamie's name. Me, oh, me, 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 your, me. Your thoughts. This is it, Jamie. Name her now. Who is she? Who is she? I don't know. You have to know. I don't know. Come on, what's all this been about? I don't. You do. I can't. Say it. Say it. <sighs> it's about me. That's it, kiddo. Yes. Would you give a warm Legs Eleven welcome for her premiere appearance, her virgin unveiling, her maiden voyage, the soon to be legendary Miss Mimi May? I think it fits for a 16 year old. It fits for this story and the, because I do like that then they sort of made that point of, of Jamie versus the drag character, but also that's like that versus as I've described it, I think is different for every performer. I don't think it's always that, but no, it immediately made me think of a famous drag race um, contestant, Mimi M first. <laughs> and so I, yeah, I didn't love me, me, me. I thought that was just because it, it was when things are cutesy, but so like familiar and kind of referential, then it's hard to sort of, I don't know. I like it on its own. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wonder, I, I, I wasn't impressed, but also I think a lot of like the drag queens that maybe we know and love if you ask them what they're what they were performing under their first night, a lot of them is gonna are gonna have a different name. Oh yeah, that's a good point. And I'm curious too if the Jamie in real life that was uh, their name. Oh yeah, that's a good point. What were your I guess what were your overall thoughts of the performance and such? I I wanted more. I wanted to see more of that because it it's this is a sh an ongoing show so i felt like oh there is a community of drag here so i wanted more of it so i was i was bummed that it was so such a small piece of it when there was so much movie on either side i was glad that uh that jamie did well in that performance you know sometimes in movies with parallel or similar plots there is you know that first performance that goes terribly in order for them to kind of climb back. And that wasn't what this was. And I was glad for that. I was glad it was a positive overall experience other than the like dad flowers, all that kind of stuff. But I don't, I don't, I don't like watching people choke on stage. That's mm -hmm. very uncomfortable for me. So I was like, oh, this is great. And I think it worked for what they were trying to do, right? Because from that there was there was confidence and that turned into some, in some cases more than confidence and sort of led Jamie to have to recalibrate and find himself again. And so I thought being successful that first night was a nice catalyst for that part of the journey. Yeah, that, that's an interesting, interesting take. I don't know what I would have wanted. I mean, yes, bigger, this is a musical, let's see more drag aspects of it for sure. And then, yeah, you're right. It would follow the formula if Jamie failed. But then again, on the other hand, there, there are points where I wasn't rooting for him that much. I didn't, I didn't want him to fail or get bullied, 
but it right. seemed like he was there was success everywhere he found uh everywhere he went he was successful and yes. you have like, again the stakes what are the stakes. stakes here you have the dad i guess and that angle was strange That's really upsetting yeah very very upsetting i had to kept keep going back and saying this is a 16 year old this is what they would feel like because it, it like it was weird to me that he would think that the dad would send him flowers of all yes. things after especially like with what we know from like this the songs and the flashbacks of yeah. their relationship yes i, I agree the, that he would believe that his dad had done these things was strange to me and that he was well i i don't know because parent-child relationships are very complex and so i i, I don't want to be like flippant about it to say i don't understand why Jamie was still seeking approval, but you're right. He's 16. So, mm -hmm. so maybe that is in line. It just seemed like it seemed kind of out of character, I guess, for him to be so like convinced that he had his dad's support after what we've been told. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's how I felt because it was. And, and he's just such a, it, as it is portrayed in the movie, his dad is such an irredeemable douche that like, <laughs> Why was he even part of it? Like, why did that, we could take all of that out and still have a movie and still have a musical? Question we may, we may ask later. And that, uh, by the way, the dad was played by Ralph Ineson, who's in a bunch of stuff. Uh, yeah. Game, of, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, uh, Chernobyl, looked, I think. He looked pretty familiar. So again, we have these these actors sur surrounding this, this title character that, are amazing actors you know i mean that's that it's an interesting kind of cast all put together as well yeah i mean again i feel like we're coming off very negative today and i don't want to necessarily do that the no but yeah let me say i'm glad this i'm glad this movie's in the world uh, just going back to the broad strokes conversation though you made me think of it when you were talking about the whole drag thing this is definitely also entry-level understanding of drag culture and as honestly drag race is as well Sure. But I would say this is even more entry level than that. In the real world, if you will, I, I don't know Jamie's story or whatever, but the real Jamie now, we'll say. Right. But yes, the drag culture very much connected to the LGBT community, but there's like so many other types of drag queens and kings, and mm -hmm. there are straight drag queens as well. There are... Uh, or AFAB queens. Yes, absolutely. And I wasn't sure at times in this film if they were trying to portray, I guess Jamie just identified as a gay man here, but I wasn't sure if they were yeah, doing another I, angle. Then he's 16, so I don't know. I don't 16, know. 16, you know? yeah, it's er, it's early in his life. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I it's it sounds like we sort of maybe bumped on that same thing a few times. And, and this was, you know, true in the documentary. This is an openly gay young person in their town, in their school, have you. But then Jamie seems to correct people about that he's not trying to be a girl, but then says, I, it then says, uh, you know, a boy who sometimes wants to be a girl. And I, I felt like, you know, a boy who wears dresses would be a better way to say that, but I'm not going to rewrite the movie or rewrite Jamie's perspective. But yeah, it seems to clear and muddy the waters by himself. Again, 16. So that could be part of it. For sure. I just, I guess my only fear is, is maybe a bad word for it. But like, if you're someone who's unaware and you're like what Jamie does at the end, uh, going to the prom in the dress, that's not drag. And that, to be clear, right. 
I hope it doesn't muddy those waters with people. And yeah, I, I guess I was just looking for some nuance in here that is not here and maybe shouldn't be in a musical, right? Like, I, I don't know, you know, sure. that's- I mean, I, I can't. There are, there are absolutely musicals out there that focus on very complex and difficult issues. So one of my favorite musicals is called Next to Normal. The cast is very small. It's a nuclear family. And then with a couple of a couple of additional um, characters, so like six people typically are all that's in it. And it's about how this family deals with and moves through um, both trauma, but also like the mental health of the mom and that they're all impacted by. And it's, it's amazing. And yes, people break into song all the time, but like, it's very serious. Like it's mm. a, it's, such an intimate setting for a musical versus like 42nd street for example because it's a street or um <laughs> the music man is the whole town or this and that right like this is very very private and intimate and serious also entertaining but but i think the 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 music allows for a kind of a, a different emotional connection than just like monologues would mm. So I, it doesn't, musical doesn't always have to mean over the top, broad and flamboyant. I think it can also mean poignant or it can also help with poignant and serious and whatever else. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Definitely didn't want to come off that way. And I'll check out Next to Normal. Looks it's cool. really good. It's really good. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'll send a couple of videos. Um, but also you mentioned rent before and absolutely rent, rent deals with some pretty serious stuff yes, um, some of which doesn't age well and that's no. okay <laughs> you're definitely right about that but but i i think it is a, a solid entry point let's say if not 16 year old me let's say like 12 year old me or 13 year old me who had who had access to rent but didn't have nuance probably myself and certainly didn't recognize nuance in any of the you know communities involved i think i would have really liked this movie and it would be a good first chapter in what oh so there is this art form called drag yes what does that entail who is who is invited who is are all welcome that kind of thing and so i i maybe will you know when we talk about who this movie was made for i will refer back to these comments but um i agree there is a kind of rudimentary element to it. And if that is foundational for some people, then I think that's a good place to start. It's just not where it ends. That makes total sense. So let's talk about some of the other moments here. I guess kind of along the lines with the dad, when Jamie ends up showing up to the soccer match, I thought that was a little, I mean, very sad, but also, I don't know, strange that, I mean, he has the argument with the dad or whatever yeah. the dad essentially tells him. And then do you think he was just trying to like stick it to his dad? Or do you think he was just still screaming for attention? Or even do you think he was like, oh, look at me, I'm performing. I don't know. I think a combo of the of the first two. And I think, you know, just like you've said, this is this is a teenager who's not, I don't mean not gonna think through things, but like. For us as the audience, we've had that information about the dad the whole time. Yes, and for whatever reason, Jamie was blindsided by that. And so I think it's a very reactive um, 
reaction. <laughs> it's, for me, yeah, I didn't, obviously didn't like it. It was, you know, tragic and, and difficult. And for me, didn't entirely fit with kind of, I don't know, I would have also probably taken that piece out if it were me editing. But I think, yeah, I think it's a combo of crying out for help and also demonstrating how hurtful the dad's perspective is. And a lot of a lot of times in the movie, Jamie is has somewhat of a fuck you attitude about bullies and everyone else. But when it comes to his dad, and maybe that is reflective of the real relationship the 16-year-old had. When it comes to his dad, he kind of doesn't have that attitude. Well, because your dad's not supposed to be a bully. Very true. Even though untrue for a lot of people. Yeah. So two things in this film that I, I was hoping did not happen and was, okay. ha- was happy when they didn't, but I thought they were alluding to. One, and maybe they were alluding to it, but one is pretty. I was afraid that they were like, oh, she's in love with him and that there's going to oh. be there's going to be that aspect of it and he's going to have to reject her, you know, because I've seen that so many times and sure. we don't really get that. They just have a great friendship and that's awesome. And I was happy that it landed there because like I said, I can't tell you how many movies that don't do that. <laughs> and the other one was Dean. I was afraid that they were going to do like the whole switcheroo at the end where like Glee yeah. and stuff like, like Dean was actually gay. Right. Where the bully is manifesting an internal struggle. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like the end when it was like, let's all hold hands no, fair, dance together. But as I you know, said earlier, I think that's a, a remnant from the play but yeah I also don't think so if we're if we're giving all this kind of caveat around oh you know Jamie's 16 I think also yeah Dean is 16 and and should not be a bully and that is terrible and needs needs to straighten up and not be that way and for me getting like publicly shamed is not gonna fix anything like I for me like that sort of see now you know how it feels kind of thing like likely that bully is not going to get that one dose of that is not (laughs) going to turn this human being around in that way and so it was an unsatisfying sort of conclusion that way but you're right i i was also very glad i was shocked when they're outside the principal's office or headmaster's office or what have you and jamie in a i don't know how to say it like in a as a stunt with his lipstick on kisses Dean, that shocked me. And I was really worried because at that point that like, it was just going to turn into some really scary violence. Cause that's, that seemed like a very risky thing to do. And also, also inappropriate. Don't touch another human being. There was a lot, now that you bring it up, there was a lot of kind of eye for an eye, just justice in yeah, this. Yeah. Which, which is kind of 16. So I, you know. Yeah, but, the, the, but to me, that doesn't match the tone that they're trying to give us. You know? Sure. Like that, that, yes, that is realistic 16, but I don't know. And I started to think that maybe there was, as you mentioned, some kind of Ameri- lost in American British translation that like, yeah. we, we are so bully conscious here. And sure. in 2021, there are just so many behavior triggers that at least a teacher should stop or- Exactly. Yeah, we'll leave it at that, right? At least a teacher should stop. I like to hope, though, that 16-year-olds today are a little better, uh, have a little better tools than you and I even had at 16. Right, absolutely. And I I know, even when I was going to school, if I talked back to that 
person who was talking shit to me, yeah. even if they were bullying, that might have temporarily worked. It might not have, but the teachers would still not have been happy with me either. You know, would absolutely, just, it wouldn't have been yeah. like hunky dory. Even Preeti when she going at Dean, right? Like there was a hint of nastiness in her words, which yeah. again, that is maybe that's accurate. Maybe that's how she felt. It was just odd to me because then Dean goes in and apologizes to her and everything's okay. And just like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just tough. Yeah. I, I, again, I think it's in a stage musical where you're going to be clapping for all the performers at the end. I mm. think there are things that we do differently. I'm thinking of, uh, so I'm not sure if you're aware, but there is a stage version of the bodyguard. Oh, oh yes, yes. I am Which aware. is weird. But if you think about it, like still, one of the like that soundtrack right not only rate continues to rate highly among soundtracks but rates highly among like albums purchased right have, that is still I have the top it on 10, vinyl I right it myself, exactly yeah. it is a huge it is it's a bop after bop right so if you think about it that way sure we could make a musical out of that album no problem but you also have in the film a, a hitman in the play version an obsessed stalker that is played by a human person. So at the end, they had to do something so that the audience felt comfortable clapping for that human. So what they did is during the curtain call, then the person who played the stalker antagonist like did some choreography with the guy who played the bodyguard in like oh. a cute, like, hey, hey, we danced together and then high fived <laughs> and, then, and then we could clap for him. Because otherwise, all we've seen of him is this like creepy stalker guy who was very scary. So I think some of that feels better live mm. when you have the human beings in front of you than it does in in a film world where we as the audience are saying, okay, this is the world. And in this world, people break into song, but this is my world for the next two hours. I think some of that is just translation of medium. Yeah, I never thought about that. I feel like we're inspiring so many good essay topics today. I so. think so. Yeah, I feel <laughs> we're looking for, for a uh, thesis or a final paper. Come to us. We're, we've got all the ideas. What do you think of uh, Jamie's prom look, if you will? Again, it's not drag, but he is in a dress. I thought it was a very cute dress. I think it would be tough as it is like when you see drag queens standing next to non-drag humans to be a foot taller than everybody else <laughs> is is tough likely and so that the pronounced difference because already he was so much taller than Preeti but but that was I just thought oh wow all night that might get I don't know, would you, I've never been the tallest person in the room. Would I be tired of being the tallest person in the room? I'm not sure. They always seem to enjoy it, so I don't know. I liked the dress, and, and to me, the dress was like, the, that Jamie chose, right, was a callback to that, those flashback sequences with his dad. Oh. That, it at least remi it was reminiscent That's of cool. that for me, and so I thought that was kind of a little bit of a full circle moment. I, I liked, I loved that the variety we saw in the prom outfits and that, you know, Preeti was able to express herself in a way that was comfortable and fit for her. And then we saw the, um, the woman who won prom queen, like was also in a, a culturally specific version of a prom outfit. I liked that. I like, I like, you know, dressing up and 
I don't know. Like I, I, I like a, I like a good school dance. So, um, so yeah, I thought it was. It, it looked pretty fun. Should have mentioned this before, but getting to the prom though, for whatever reason, was pretty slow. There are two songs back to back, and the mom here is a very loving mom. You know, very unconditional loving mom. It, it it could be a lot. Her song dragged a little bit to me. There was a song I think right before it that was dragging a little bit. So I was happy when we finally got to prom and we got to see everyone in their glory. Yes, the thing with the bully was a little bit odd. Uh, and Jamie's motivation to get, come outside, hold his hand, bring him in and everything's hunky-dory. But you, I, I'm, I'm thanking you because you've solved that for me, with the whole play <laughs> thing, because it's like, yeah, that makes total sense, you know? <laughs> it's, a big, it's a big benefit of the doubt we're giving them, but... Um, but I think you're absolutely to... right, yeah. I, I, I'm ready to move on to awards if you are. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, I guess the, the only other thing I would say, I agree, the mom song was dragged and dragged at a point of the movie where I was ready for like it to conclude. Um, I did think the mom and her best friend oh. was a great combo. And I, I always liked seeing them together and this, which also to me hinted at another another aspect of not only drag, but, but LGBTQ community in that like, you know, chosen family. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And, and so I, I liked how like that Ray, the mom's best friend was so much a part of the family. She was in that meeting with, at the, at the school, you know what I mean? And so yeah. I, I thought that was, that was great. Like, yeah, you're going to, your mom and dad are not there together, but your mom and this other person who's unconditionally supportive of you is there as well. So I thought they both did a great job. I, I feel like I recognized Ray, the one who played Ray. Um, she has a lot of credits. I couldn't identify what I had known her from, but um, she looked familiar to me. And and again, I think the the cast surrounding the teenagers was all just top notch. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Okay, well we've uh, talked uh, kind of around and through this a lot, but just for the record, for clarity's sake, um, who was this movie made for? Do you think? I'm settling on. Yes, younger people, but also as interesting as it might sound, like families too, like people who are curious about this story. And I think people who like this, this type of story would, curiosity sounds bad, but would be more of a curiosity too. Like, I don't think this is for like the mainstream drag community, you know, sure. like they, they might enjoy it. They might think it was cute, but I don't think it was made for them. You know, I think it was made. Yeah, it's not that kind of inside baseball thing. It's yeah, it's very foundational. How about you? Yeah, no, I agree, and I think that's a good point to bring up families. Yeah, and I think I think young people too. I could, like I said, I could definitely see having watched this movie in um, junior high or high school if it was if it had been available. Um, who was most likely to succeed? Who won the movie? I mean, I think the way it's framed, it has to be Jamie. You know what I mean? Yeah. title character he wins in the end he gets to achieve his dream and goes to prom and everything and then the the guy who's bullying him becomes his friend so <laughs> I, I think it's hard to debate another character one more than jamie yeah i agree even just like screen time alone jamie is our winner <laughs> then the wooderson award what character would you have liked to have seen more of i think group of characters the drag queens you know if this is going to be a drag movie Let's see more queens. Blanca Del Rio, if you got her for one day, bring her on for more days, you know. Amen. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I, I would agree with that 100%. On the other side of that coin, um, the Long Doc Dong Award, is there any character whose omission might have made the film better? So I wrote this. I wrote, did we need all three of the bad people, the dad, the teacher, and the bully, right? Maybe taking the teacher and the dad away would be too much, but maybe one of those two we didn't really need. I think we can still get absentee father without that whole arc. I agree. So maybe, I'm leaning on the dad then, but the teacher was also, we, we explained the problems as well. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wrote down the dad. I think I don't want to minimize the importance of having to overcome an unsupportive parent. True, true. And I know that that is a truth for a lot of folks. And in this case, for the purposes of the movie, I, I don't think we needed it. I don't think it, I don't think we needed it, so. In agreement, once again. Um, next up, the Cameron Fry Award, who was very clearly not a teen in this teen movie. I thought they all kind of looked like teens here. I think, I thought they did a pretty decent job. And even if they didn't, there wasn't, there weren't too many, there wasn't like someone who was really egregiously an adult, so. I don't know. I, I didn't really have a good answer. How about you? Yeah, I don't have a good answer, but whenever the musical number like amped up from being just Jamie or just like the main characters and then suddenly like everyone in the school oh. was participating, like the fantasy bits, I then like to scan around for like <laughs> dancers. And so that, that was fun. So I think in those scenes, you could, you know, clock some of the, um, you know, people doing choreography there. Um, but in general, yeah, for like the the featured roles, the speaking roles, I, I think everybody seemed high school age enough. Good, good eye on the dancers, though. It's a really good call. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, um, focusing on background is a fun thing to do in watching these things, especially if there's a song that's gone on for too long. Okay, next up, our extra credit assignment. If you could recommend a classic teen movie to a character in this film, what would it be and to whom? Um, this isn't a drag movie, but it is a, well, RuPaul is in this movie and it is a LGBTQ teen story. It is, but I'm a cheerleader. Um, and I want Jamie to watch it because I think Jamie would like it. That's a great point. Um, mine is also not a drag movie, but I thought it would be fun if um, Pretty watched Pretty in Pink because her name sounds kind of like <laughs> pretty in pink i like it okay we are here to the ever important Ooh. report card Ooh. it's time for us to grade this movie using the high school scale um, from a to f uh, as reference rotten tomatoes the critic score is 79 for this which is pretty good audience is 70 or 71 percent and then it has 3.3 out of 5 on letterbox so, Brian, where do you fit in in this grading scale? What would you give everybody's talking about Jamie? Despite a lot of negative in this, I did have fun watching it. I think it was a cool story. I loved a lot of the drag elements. I thought it was fun. Even uh, some of the outfits from the earlier sequences I thought were really cool. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a B minus. Like a fun movie. Not my favorite movie of the year. But it wasn't bad by any means. B minus. What about you, Iceland? Um, I give it a, a B period. I give it a solid B. I think solid B. I'm like I said prior, I'm glad it's in the world. I think a movie focused on a gay character in high school that's not focused on coming out, but is focused on a different aspect of 
of their journey, of their personality, of their career goals, of all the things. Yes, it absolutely has faults. And it's like you say, it's not the best movie I've ever seen. And I'm glad it's in the world. And I would recommend it to young people, I think. Great. I like your point, though, that that it's not a coming out story. He even says like a his second coming out, you know. Yeah. Um, that is cool. That is, that is a good point. I like that. And I, I, not to say that there's anything wrong with coming out stories, but I think the more that we have a variety of stories so that it's just not all kind of one trope is, is a positive thing. Agreed. So for our, everybody's talking about Jamie themed slumber party. What would your Jamie themed sleeping bag look like? Simple today, but it's going to be uh, what those red shoes looked like. Just like glittery red velvet sleeping bag. That was exactly what I was going to say. Because I had those shoes, not those shoes because they weren't high heels, but like, um, you know, uh, Wizard of Oz ruby slipper type yeah. with that, like, not sequins, but glitter, like you say. Um, I had those shoes as a kid. And so, yeah, that's absolutely what came to mind for me. So benefit of going first, though, you got, come on, you got to come up with another one. Oh, I do. Okay, great. Um, then I would do something fun with the school uniform. So oh, okay. it would maybe be like, blue on the outside but with and with like the plaid trim but then when you opened it up it would have something maybe iridescent or like it would have that personality on the inside so even though the outside was uniform the inside was like personalized i like that that's cool we've got our sleeping bag now it's time to rent movies we're in our mythical blockbuster or the last blockbuster ever <laughs> like brian was recently um get two movies rent two movies get one free we are getting everybody's talking about jamie what other two movies would you pick to watch along with that at our slumber party so i don't know these are the two things that came to mind when i was thinking about this film uh the first one is hairspray and i'm gonna do the john waters hairspray 1988 okay. hairspray um, i don't know why that's the one i'm picking there's some drag elements to it, so I, I do know why. But uh, and the other one is the documentary, more about voguing and ballroom culture. That is, Paris is burning, 1990 documentary. Classic. Classic documentary, because I, I, I feel like that's like, if this is entry level, that's like, oh, here's another level of culture. Amen. How about I you? Love that. What are you your two other blockbuster picks? I think that's great. I would say. Um, Similarly, for one, I'm going high school, and I went for Disney's High School Musical. Nice. Originally a TV movie, right? It wasn't until the third when they were in theaters. And while this was meant to be out in theaters, this also feels, it feels like streaming is a good place for this one. So I, I think they're sort of comparable that way. And then uh, to go with a, a more drag-inspired um I would have I would have us watch um, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Nice, good call, love it. Ooh, we're gonna it's have been a, a long time. We're it's gonna have a, a fun time. party though with these films. Absolutely, <laughs> this is yeah, this is a great a great lineup for sure. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad we could see this film. This is another one that um, I we gave it B ish grades, right? And it's something that I think people should be out there watching anyway not every film is going to be an a but this this was a light 
easy film. Except again, I know the one thing that I would give a warning about is the the song by yeah uh, Richard E. Grant's song. It, it, there are victims of AIDS in that song, and we see that. So I was going to say this is a light, airy movie, there, but there is bullying, there is stuff like that. But it is overall, it's fun. You know, it's PG thirteen. Yeah, it's it's absolutely like you could watch it with kids if you're a kid. You could watch it with your parents, but also. I think if you, you know, if you had a, a tween or teen, you could leave them alone with it and not like, I don't know, be worried about what they might see or hear. Agreed. Agreed. So I guess, uh, thanks for listening slumbers. And you can of course, follow the show at high school slumber party everywhere. And Island, anything you want to plug or where people can find you? Uh, you can find me trying to be a contemporary human on either Twitter at SassyNerdMT or on Instagram at Island underscore Ruth. And I will continue to learn how to do that better. Are we going to get a, why aren't we all on Instagram episode? <gasps> oh my gosh, wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> That's a great idea. You've inspired me. <laughs> well, we'll look forward to that dropping on the Gage Club Podcast Network at some point. Uh, Thanks as always, Iceland. Can't wait for the next AP episode. Yeah, thank you. You should have seen it. You should have been there. You won't believe the shit we saw that by down in there. The men were women. The girls were fellas. He did a rain dance wearing nothing but umbrellas. Pass it on. There was a lady. She had a sister. But it was kind of way the way the lady kissed her. There was a woman whose name was Norman and the freely knickers. That was just a doorman. There was a doorman whose name was Norman and then the doorman kissed his sister. She's a Mormon up in the dungeons inside the cellars where they rained our pain and spiked with umbrellas. Everybody's looking back What's up, Slumbers? Brian Rodriguez here once again. Just want to thank you for listening to this awesome AP episode and thank my wonderful co-host, Island Addington, for making AP episodes the cool thing that they are. Can't wait to talk another AP movie. But of course, we have some homework for Friday. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I'm going to ask you to watch something again. Watch that 10-minute version of... All Too Well by Taylor Swift because it's so good. No, 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 I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Watch, once again, Twilight's Breaking Dawn, Part 1. You ready? Just don't let me fall dead. Never. I, Edward Cullen, take you, Bella Swan. For better or for worse. To love. To cherish. As long as we both shall live. This is how I'll remember you. Pink cheeks. Heartbeat. I think I'd be used to telling you goodbye by now.
living body. It's too strong and fast growing. It's crushing you from the inside out. Your heart will give out before you can deliver. You did this. I can't see Bella's future anymore. We don't know what they've bred. We have to protect the tribe before it's too late. You're the enemy now. Sam won't hesitate. You will be slaughtered. I'm starving you by the hour. I'm the one who loses you. You have to accept what is. You've given me no choice! Get ready. They're coming for Bella. They're not gonna touch her. If you kill her, you kill me! It's on Netflix, guys. It's not that hard. Of course, this is a part of our Twilight Forever series. Kate Hudson will be here on The Great. Joe, too, will be here as well because this is his lap. We've already talked about them last year. This year, we're having a lot more fun with them. It's been a blast. Oh, I can't wait for the future of Twilight Forever. But the present is now. And the present, well, the near future is Friday. So that's your homework. Check out twilight breaking dawn part one and remember guys life moves pretty fast if you don't stop looking around once in a while you could miss it later dudes Go.